We just um, come before you this morning. God, we thank you for a beautiful day, a beautiful sunny day. We ask for your spirit to come and surround us. Remind us of who we are. Remind us of who you are. That you love us and you care for us. We are your sons and daughters through our belief in you, through our salvation. Father, we just um, come before you this morning. God, we just uh, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Amen. I'm going to play a song for you uh, that uh, I wrote about... Uh, Actually, so a show called The Chosen. It's about the life of Jesus. Um, I tried to do it a few weeks ago, but I butchered it, so I'm going to try and redeem myself. There's a... Jesus said um, in one of the Gospels, he said, In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You know, we would love to tell ourselves that if we believe in Jesus and we follow him wholeheartedly, that we are, that we are exempt from trials and frustrations and hurts, broken hearts, broken bones even. But the truth is we're not. And we walk through a very broken world. And occasionally that brokenness will affect us and it will break us as well, right? But there is hope in the gospel, in the fact that Jesus offers himself to us. He offers his presence, he offers his goodness, he offers us relationship with him. And if we give ourselves over to that, we choose to give ourselves to Him in relationship. We find joy, we find peace in the brokenness, right? When our hearts are broken and when our bones are broken, right? Because you know what? We can have all the money in the world, but guess what? Money's going to fade. We can get all our problems fixed, but they're just going to be more problems to replace it. Right? So if God is just a fair weather friend that we bring in when we have a problem to fix our problems, that, that really doesn't amount to much. But if we choose to be sons and daughters and we choose to be satisfied by the Spirit of the living God, we find joy and we find peace and we find contentment that the world just does not understand. And Paul said it. You know, there's peace that surpasses understanding. That we, we don't even understand sometimes. 
God offers that to us. He's not your lottery ticket. He's your friend. He's your father. He's your helper in time of need. He sticks closer than a brother. That's the kingdom of God. That's what He offers us. It's a treasure in the field You'd give anything to own It's the shepherd and his sheep When he leaves the ninety-nine to find the one It's the sower and the seed That falls on fertile soil or the lady after a long search when she finds that lost coin oh but it don't add up to some this kingdom They were waiting on a king to rush in on a white horse oh, and build an empire with the edge of his sword. But he showed up holding nothing but love. Build a kingdom And he said bones and hearts Will still break And there'll be times It'll be more than you can take But there's this joy That we just can't shake Once you've found your home In this kingdom There were nets left on shorelines Abandoned plow at mid-road Oh, the twelve that the world rejected Was the twelve that he chose But soon their crosses would line the road This kingdom They send bones and hearts Still brave And there were times It was more than we could take But there was this joy That we just couldn't shake Once we found our home In this kingdom Some want the kingdom without the king, all of the blessing, but none of the suffering. But he who saves his life will lose it, because it's in the laying down 
known bones and hearts still break. And there are times it's more than we can take. But there's this joy that we just can't shake. As we sing and dance and celebrate for the empty tomb that couldn't hold the king. Still my restless soul 
again. Uh, it's been four weeks since I've been here, and I'm going to come back in four more weeks. Okay. All right? Okay. Uh, me and Keith have worked out a deal. He feels sorry for me. He's going to let me preach. Okay? No, he's, he's a good guy. We're friends, and I just want to help him out a little bit. I respect a lot uh, this ministry, what they do every week. So I'm going to see you guys at least once a month. Okay? Um, Questions. Why do we ask questions? Well, we ask questions, hopefully, to get clarification on something. If yesterday you had not heard about the church at Southside, and someone told you that this was an outside church where folks gather in Norton Florist parking lot, and you had no idea where it is or where it was, you could simply ask somebody, for directions how to get here. 
If you want to know more about someone you've just met, it's usually not too threatening to ask, well, where are you from? Right? You can ask them, maybe if they don't want to tell you, they're not from the area, they'll, you know, you can ask them, well, you know what, where do you live now? You might ask them about what type of work they do, if they're employed or not. You, you may get a little bit personal and ask them about their family. But here's the thing, questions help us work out things in our mind as long as we get satisfactory answers. So sometimes we ask ourselves deeper questions like this, like, why am I here? Or what's the purpose of my time here on earth? Why is there so much apparent evil in the world that causes so much suffering? Why is there so much injustice? Why, why are there destructive storms that come through Alabama every year that threaten people's lives and their property? Why do some people have a lot of money and others don't? The list of these kinds of questions goes on and on. These are normal questions to ask yourselves. Now, the last time I was here four weeks ago, I posed a question to you. Does anybody remember what that was? Anybody? It was cold and windy, I know that day. I posed this question to you. Jesus asked this question, he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now, I, I hope that maybe some of you gave that some reflection and thought. As you wrestle again with who Jesus is and what you might want him to do for you. But today, I'm going to ask you what I believe is the most important question that Jesus ever posed to anybody. And you can choose to answer it or not. And if you choose not to, that really is your answer. So before I pose the question to you, let me read from the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 and 18, where this question was asked by Jesus. It reads like this, starting in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? Referring to himself. And they replied, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Others say one of the prophets. Now listen, this is what Jesus said. He said, But what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Now, I realize there's two questions posed in this passage I just read, and we'll, we'll deal with the main question here in a minute. But let me give you some backdrop here on the situation and what's going on. Earlier in this chapter, Jesus was warning his 12 disciples about the teachings of religious leaders of the day called the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. These guys were religious leaders that were always trying to trick Jesus with questions. They were always trying to fool him, but he couldn't be fooled. He understood their mindset and their intentions. 
I mean, they had been traveling with him for about three years at this point, and they were constantly trying to trip him up. But Jesus was always, well, more than one step ahead of him, okay? But here Jesus pulls the 12 guys that have been following him. He pulls them aside, his disciples, and he asks them this question first again. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Referring to himself. He's basically saying, hey guys, what, what are the common folks saying about me? So why, why does Jesus ask this question first? I, I don't know for sure. Okay, we can make some guesses. It's interesting to note that this place called where they were headed, this region called Caesarea Philippi. And that day it was the region where there was a real spiritual headquarters of sorts. It's where false gods or other gods had been worshipped and served for centuries. And so, you know, maybe there's a symbolism there. In previous years it had been the false god of Baal. And at this time when Jesus asked the question, it's it's a Greek god named Pan. And I won't go into too much detail there. But I think it's fair to say that Jesus, he, he wasn't really too concerned, like out of fear, as to what people thought of him. I mean, after all, Jesus was misunderstood often in his earthly ministry up to this point. He, he even knows that his 12 disciples who were following him around often misunderstood him and what his real purpose was for being here on earth as they traveled with him. The disciples gave an answer to him at this question. They basically said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And all of these guesses were reasonable. John had preached repentance and forgiveness. Elijah had performed miracle after miracle. Jeremiah had a heartfelt compassion towards God people, toward, toward God people. I mean, he wept before God on behalf of the people of God, the Israelites. Jesus had shown these same types of attitudes and, and heart and actions toward people. And so after the disciples answered the first question, Jesus asked them again the question that I believe all of us today must answer for ourselves. He looks at them and he asks, but what about you? Who do you? Who do you? He makes it personal. Who do you say that I am? Of course, Peter, not surprisingly, speaks up first and says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And so today, I am compelled to ask you the question, Who do you say that Jesus is? And again, I believe this is the most important question that anybody can ever ask you because we believe, I believe, that whatever you believe about Jesus really determines everything else about your life. It will determine where your loyalty of time and resources are. It will determine who your friends and who the people you hang out with are. Now, I, I could spend a lot of time today, and we could kind of set up a court here front of everybody with some people that want to debate about who Jesus was and give a lot of time and effort to that, but we're not going to do that. We don't have time. We really don't have the venue for that to make a case as to why Jesus were here. 
There is document after document recognized by both the Bible and world historians, world historians as to the claims of Jesus. Again, we're not going to go into that, but you've probably heard maybe these three options. These three options we're about to give you. If you haven't, then listen up. If you have, it's a good review for you about these three options as to do Jesus really is and was. And the first possibility as to who Jesus was is that he was a liar. He simply wasn't who he claimed to be, which was the, the son of the living God, as Peter had openly confessed when that question was asked. In other words, he was a con man. This theory says Jesus purposely and intentionally led people to believe that he was the son of God all the time lying to them, all the, long, all the time scheming for some selfish strategy. I mean, he claimed to be God in the flesh, the God-man. Now, if he said that and he knew it wasn't true and was simply a shamster con man, that would make him a liar, wouldn't it? Another option. Jesus was a lunatic. Or we might call him a crazy whack job, right? So listen up. If anyone calls himself God in the flesh and isn't, he's a lunatic. He's nuts. He's crazy. I mean, if someone were to walk in the parking lot here today while our meeting's going on and declare himself God in the flesh, we would know that he or she is crazy. I mean, if he were to tell us that he's the way, the truth, and the life, you would come to the conclusion that he's not so it, right? I mean, if he were to tell us he's the tri-creator of the universe and the mediator between God and all the things of this earth, you would simply come to the conclusion that this guy's crazy. But there's a third option. And the third option is really the most challenging for many people. For some, it's actually the most scandalous, and it's the most startling of all options. And that was Jesus is, he was, and will continue to be who he claimed to be. The Son of the living God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior and Lord of all mankind. So the question then for you again, what do you do with these options? Now, I'm not telling you what to do. But you are faced with the decision of what you think and how you think of Jesus. And when you leave here today, you can leave here and you can claim that he was a liar. And you can leave here and you can claim that he was a lunatic. The third option is to humbly submit and believe that he's Lord and Savior of the world, of all mankind. Yeah. Now again, you, you're not... You're not forced to do anything today, but let's look a little more closely at option one, Jesus as the liar. Now here's the deal, liars are always found out. Eventually the gig is up. At some point in time, the truth comes out as to how and what the con man scheme was all about, right? I mean, eventually it catches up to him. So this is my question, if Jesus was messing with all of us, don't you think that when it came time to allow Roman soldiers to nail him to a cross, enduring the most torturous death, don't you think he might have said, hey guys, thanks for playing, the gig's up, I'm really not the son of God, I'm not going to go through with this. It just wouldn't make sense, would it? 
So what about, let's go to second option again, lunatic. Now scholars and some of the greatest thinkers of history have looked at the teachings of Jesus. His teachings not only were respectful and loving your actions toward others, but more importantly, he taught the purity and the attitude of the heart. His Sermon on the Mount, which is found earlier in this book, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, known as the Beatitudes, is some of the greatest teaching known to mankind. And his teachings simply cannot be contradicted. He taught humility. He taught service to others, which all of you see out here every week. He taught self-sacrifice. He displayed love and respect to all the down and outers of his day. He showed no partiality to the people he healed. He even went to some of the most serious outcasts, the demon oppressed, and healed them and cleaned them up. So how can we argue with the teachings or actions of Jesus? Can you really honestly say that he was a lunatic? Not with very good reason. So look, let's look at option three. Jesus is Lord. Now let's go back to the passage we read a moment ago when Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they responded again. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah the prophet, some say other prophets. Now to me this option has some possible wrong turns we can take, and I would even say the most dangerous than boldly calling Jesus a liar or a lunatic. And it's this, it's believing that somehow he's a common man who taught some good stuff about how to treat others. You see, it's, it's dangerous to put Jesus in the same category as John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah. These were great, great servants of God and humans. They were godly men. But Jesus was the God-man. He was God in the flesh. So you see, folks, the, the real rub, the real rub against Christianity, it's not that the teachings are bad or immoral at all. The real scandalous problem against Christianity is that Jesus was not just a son of God, a prophet, or a savior. The real issue that some can simply not wrap their heads around is that Jesus is the way, is the truth, and he is the life. Because he said that. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And if that weren't, that weren't so, then he would be a liar, right? Option number one. He said, no man comes to the Father except through me. Now, why does this bother some people? It bothers them because it's narrow. It's one way. And we don't like that. As we, our nature is to want options. We want to choose different options, right? We don't ever, we hate to be cornered into one, one simple option. You mean that's the only way? And the answer is this. It's yes. It is. See, by nature, we want choices that make us feel good to us. If someone tells us that there's only one way, our natural tendency is to find another. 
Again, the purpose of this truth that I'm sharing with you today is not to make us feel good. It's to put reality in front of us. And so let me tell you what the real heart, what the real heart of Christianity and the message of Jesus is. And it's this. God is love. And he is holy. And he is a righteous judge. We are sinners. We're, we're just imperfect beings. We, we, we come from a line of sinners. None of us are perfect. We know that. And so in order to enter into a, a, earth, a, a heavenly relationship with the Holy Father, there has to be a way that we're not guilty before him. There has to, and there's only one way. We can only do that through Jesus. We can only do that through what Jesse said earlier about surrender. We have to surrender to the truth that Jesus is the truth. He is the way. He is life. So today I ask you again the question, who do you say that Jesus is? And I do not ask that from a place of motivation to be right. I do it because I've been made right by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus. I'm not right, but I've been made right by what Jesus did for me. And I can either accept that and surrender to it as truth, or I can try to find another way. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Uh, man, thank you guys for being here this morning. I just want you to know, I believe and know every time John comes out here, the gospel has been taught over us. The most important question you will ever, ever answer. Who do you say that I am? That's all that matters. You answer that in the affirmative, yes, you are the Christ, then you've got relationship with him. If not, no matter which way you're trying to get there, it won't work. And it's like banging your head against the wall. You can just stop trying. Like, give your heart to him. I promise you that is the best way. John, thank you so much. And I want you to know, his heart is to teach the gospel here, but also part of the motivation is to give me a break and like let me just be able to walk around, talk with you guys. So I'm grateful for that as well. So, brother, thank you so much for doing that. Can I just tell you one thing before I close this in prayer? I saw it twice today. I'm sure there were other things that I missed, but twice out here today, unbeknownst to them of me watching, I seen two people do something like give of themselves to somebody else when nobody else was watching. They weren't doing it for fanfare or whatever. Can I tell you what that means? Those two people know the answer to the question, who do you say that I am? It wasn't about themselves. They were giving an extra plate to somebody. Somebody was giving a blanket to somebody in Jesus' name. Like, I saw that. Nobody was doing it for me to see, but I got to, I got to witness. And I want to tell you, that blessed my heart uh, this morning. So thank you for that. Those that were a part of that, uh, that was a blessing to me. Uh, look around. Great people around here. I want you to know that. And it's uh, a lot of folks out here that are followers of Christ that have answered that question. Yes, we know who you are. And so if not, man, don't leave here today without knowing 
who he is. All right, seek out John, seek out myself, somebody that you know uh, is a follower of Christ. Not perfect, but we know the way. All right, we know where to send you. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll uh, we'll get to passing out some supplies today. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for our brother John. We always are blessed when he is here uh, and shares with us from his heart. We thank you for that. Uh, thank you for just this family. Thank you for what I got to witness today. I know there were probably more acts of kindness around this parking lot, Father, that I didn't get to see. Uh, but from the simple things of somebody uh, picking up a piece of trash or, uh, Father, just giving somebody uh, a cup of coffee, doing something, uh, Father, outside of themselves and giving to others uh, is a beautiful thing. Uh, Father, that's only motivated by the love of Christ. Someone who's answered, I know he is who he said he, he is, was, and as John said, always will be. And so, uh, Jesus, I pray that everyone here has put their hope and trust in you. And if not, before they leave this place, that's where they find their hope, uh, their security, their eternity settled is with uh, the cross uh, of Christ. And so, Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And we always pray this. We need you. And so, Jesus, uh, it is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.